All right. Well, we are in the book of Romans. I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 11. But when you get to Romans 11, I also want you to turn, hold the place there, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah is actually where we're going to begin today. We continue in this little mini-series here within the book of Romans. It's not something we've created. God has given it to us. But uh, here in the book of Romans, this is God's plan for the Jewish people, and this is part five. We started in Romans chapter 9, and this section will conclude at the end of Romans 11, and I believe we'll be finishing that next week. But in chapter 9 of Romans, we saw Paul talking about the past history of the nation of Israel, chapter 10, the present condition of the nation of Israel as he wrote at that time, and then chapter 11 tells us about what the future of the nation of Israel is going to be like. And it is amazing to me that people do not believe that the nation of Israel has a future. More about that in just a couple minutes. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the Israel future, you know, we have witnessed in this last century one of the greatest miracles of human history. That is not an overstatement or a sensational statement. It is a fact. What is that miracle? The Jewish people are coming back to the land of Israel after almost 2,000 years. This is unprecedented for any people group that has been scattered who were scattered and did not lose their national identity. Now, the reason the Jewish people did not lose their national identity is because God has made promises to them. And therefore, he has preserved them, and he's bringing them back to the land of Israel. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, it is prophesied. Now, we're going to look at this passage in Jeremiah 30, the first part of it at the beginning of the message, and the last part of it at the end of the message. But in Jeremiah 30, verse 1, it says this, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers. Look at the next phrase. And they shall possess it. They shall possess it. All right? They are coming back. They will possess the land. Now, when did this happen? Well, formally, it happened on May 14th, 1948, where Israel once again was declared to be a nation. And this very fact bears loud witness to the truth that we find in Romans chapter 11. The fulfillment of Romans 11 really can't happen until what we've already seen take place in the last century. But again, God is the one who controls history. God is the one who controls the future. And so we see this take place, okay? Here's the truth of it. Get the picture. Here's the overview, all right? The Lord knew ahead of time, before he ever chose Abraham, that the Jewish people would rebel and reject Jesus Christ as their Messiah. He knew that. He knew that. Through their rejection of Christ, they have suffered over history untold hardship and misery, not only under Titus, the Roman general, when when he came in 70 AD and basically ransacked 
the uh, city of Jerusalem and the Jewish people were scattered throughout all the earth, but also under other tyrants down through history. And you know all about that, including, of course, Adolf Hitler and the Holocaust. And I hate to say it, but the worst is yet to come for the Jewish people under somebody who's coming in the future, and he may very well be alive today in the world, and the Bible gives him the name, you might say, Antichrist. Antichrist. Antisemitism is becoming an epidemic globally and will continue to grow and rise in severity, unfortunately, but that is true. You might say, why do you believe that? Well, because that is a sign of the last days as well. If the Jews are not coming back to the land, if they were still not a people group, a recognized group of people with a national identity, it wouldn't be an issue. But because they're coming back into prominence, it is a fulfillment of scripture. So in light of the fact that they have rebelled as a people, does that mean that God is through with the Jews? Well, the answer to that is, of course, absolutely not. The fact that the Lord has brought them back as he said he would proves that he has not forsaken the Jewish people. Here in Romans chapter 11, then in verse one, it says this, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Paul, who writes this, was living proof that God is not through with the Jewish people. And this fact does away with much of the false teaching today, especially what is called, now listen carefully, replacement theology. Replacement theology. What is that? Replacement theology teaches that the church has replaced the Jewish people as God's chosen people. Now, it doesn't stop there. And therefore, the Jews have no ethnic future as a people, all right? Now, this opens the floodgates to anti-Semitism today and a disdain and a prejudice against the Jewish people because people have rejected this clear text of Romans chapter 11 and have embraced something that is false. And you have major religious groups who have basically said, we are through, we won't support anything that has to do with the Jewish people. We won't buy their products, we won't encourage any kind of dealings with the nation of Israel and so forth, not understanding that plays right into the hand of anti-Semitism. And yet what is at the core of that? Well, at the core of that is this idea of replacement theology, okay? Listen, folks. The church has not replaced the nation of Israel. The Jews are still his chosen people, but God has for the last 2,000 years been dealing with another body of people called the church made up of, listen, Jew and Gentile. A lot of people don't understand when the church first began in Acts chapter 2, it was almost exclusively Jewish and yet it was the church. But over time, what took place, because of the judgment on the nation of Israel, over time, what took place is that more and more Gentiles trusted Jesus Christ the Savior. God basically focused on this new thing called the church. Here in Romans 11, verse 2, it says this, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. 
What ye not, or know ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, or Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. I have reserved for myself 7,000 men. What is this? God said he would preserve a remnant, and that is exactly what he did. You see, Elijah did not know that God had been working in the hearts and minds of 7,000 men. And by the way, if he was working in the lives of 7,000 men, he was probably working in their families as well. All right? So there were others, not just Elijah. He wasn't the only one. You know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm the only one. No, 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 no. God is working. And God was working at that time, and he's also working today. Verse 5. Even so then, at this present time, now this is when Paul was writing in, in, in probably around AD 60, he says, even so at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. You see, there are Jews being saved by grace today through faith in Jesus Christ. It isn't that Jews can't be saved or that Jews aren't being saved. They are being saved. It's a minority of the church, but they are being saved. I know some Jewish people who are born again believers today. You might say, well, when a Jew, this is a funny thing. People say, well, when a Jew becomes a Christian, do they seek being a Jew? Well, maybe by religion, but not by human people group. All right. They have a national identity still. And this is what people have to understand. Okay. What, Judaism as a religion is different than being a Jew as an individual. By the way, let me say this for those who may not know this. Most Jewish people today are not staunch Jews by religion. They're secularists. They're nationalists. The vast majority of Jews in the Holy Land today are there. They have come back and are coming back in unbelief. Okay, and some are, are nationalists. And what do I mean by that? They care simply more about the Jewish way and the Jewish culture than they do about actual Judaism itself. And yet they are absolutely Jewish as people. And God is not through with them. Now, three very important truths to realize as we go through all of this, because it is very important, folks. Listen, I am pro-Israel. Our church is pro-Israel. Anybody who's saved ought to be pro-Israel. As a matter of fact, anybody on the planet ought to be pro-Israel. Why? Because God said, God gave an everlasting covenant, an unconditional covenant to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, I will bless those who bless thee. I will curse those who curse thee. For you to stand against Israel, you cannot win. God is against you if you stand against the nation of Israel. I know that's strong language, but it's true. You might say, well, but they do things wrong. Yes, and so do we. We all do things wrong. We all do things wrong. That's not the point. The point, though, is God has made a promise, and God is always true to his promises. 
And so keep that in mind. Now, three important truths to realize. Number one is this. In this, what we see in Hebrews 11, we see again the sovereignty of God. That word sovereignty, what does it mean? Basically, that, that God is the boss of the universe. Okay, He can do whatever he wants to do. Now, with that, let me say this, because people like to latch on to that, and they like to run into uh, absurd places with it. God cannot do anything that violates his character. So keep that in mind. But we see the sovereignty of God. There are certain things in this world that the Lord will simply have his way on no matter what man says or does. God's going to have his way. The Bible says, friend, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'd say, what about people who are atheists? Every knee will bow and every... Hey, listen, when he shows up in person, they're not going to be atheists any longer. Now, they may not trust him as Savior, but they will not be able to deny that he's real. Okay? So there are certain things in this world that the Lord will simply have his way on. One of those is that the Jewish people will never, will never, will never be annihilated. They will be preserved and occupy the land of Israel until the end of time. Number two, while God rejected the nation temporarily because of unbelief, the grace of God still goes out to the individual. Now, let me explain what I'm saying here. While God rejected the nation temporarily because of unbelief, the grace of God still goes out to the individual. Yes, the Jewish people have been scattered. Yes, they've been under judgment, all right? And yes, God is bringing them back, and they're coming back, though, in unbelief. However, during that period of time, any Jew can still be saved by the grace of God through faith alone in Jesus Christ as their Savior, their Messiah. So God deals with the individual regardless of what people group you belong to. We're in Romans 11. Jump down to verse 32. It says this, For God hath concluded them all, all people, in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Okay? Now, how many people come into this world in unbelief? Everybody does. Jew, Gentile, and you're one or the other, okay? So everybody's in unbelief, but God's mercy extends to all people without discrimination of any kind or even favoritism of any kind. God's word goes out. Now, this is very important to realize. There are Jews being saved today. Just because the church is mainly made up of Gentiles does not mean that God will not save a Jewish person. And there are many Jewish people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ today. God is doing it. And by the way, all the apostles were Jews, okay? All the apostles were Jews. And that remnant, that remnant is according to the grace of God. And with that in mind, number three, notice that the election, according to the scriptures here, is according to grace, not works, all right? What is true for Israel is true also for us. The Jews cannot be saved by keeping the law or by doing good works, and neither can we as Gentiles. We cannot be saved by keeping the law or by doing good works. It is when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior that you are what the Bible calls one of the elect, which leads us to verse 6. Look at it. And it says, And if by grace, then is it no more of works? 
Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, this is the way of grace, okay? And grace is separate from works. If you can earn your salvation by even one work, then you are not being saved by grace. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved kindness, okay? If I could earn my way through good works, then it would be me meriting it. That's contrary to the whole concept of grace. Grace is free. Grace is unmerited. Grace cannot be earned. And Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, look at these verses. It says this, for by grace are ye saved. How are you saved? By grace through what? Faith. I've been going back this week with somebody who is arguing, arguing. Our position on repentance is wrong. And, and uh, you know, it's only, what you're saying is only part of the truth. And you have to repent of your sins. Not only believe in Christ, but you also have to repent of your sins. And uh, they do not understand grace. And I told them, I said, you have not repented of all your sin. You have not. Because you still sin. And if you do, then you haven't. Now, of course, they're misunderstanding it, and they quoted to me some scripture, and I said, well, I'm not sure which translation you're using, but that phrase that you're using is nowhere in my Bible. I'm using the King James. And they write back and they say, well, I'm using the King James too. And I'm thinking, folks, if you're going to quote the Bible, quote the Bible. Don't take what you think it's saying and use that as a quote from scripture. Okay, you're putting words in God's mouth that he does not put there. Nowhere does it say for you to be saved, you have to repent of your sin. Is repentance an issue? Yes, but what is that? That's a change of mind, a change in your thinking. By the way, if any of you misunderstand this issue of repentance, go to our website. You can download there a booklet. It's called Repentance, and or the meaning of repentance, something like that. It's on repentance, okay? It's a PDF download you can have. It's a booklet. I think it'll help you a lot. I know it's been a blessing to many people. But basically, I said, this is the only way you're going to be saved is through faith in Christ. Why? Because it's by grace. And it's only by grace you're saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now look at the contrast, grace. And that not of yourselves, that would be by works. It is the gift of God. That goes along with grace. It's unmerited, therefore it's a gift. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Reforming your life, turning from sin, that is an issue of works. And we are not saved by works. This is why, by the way, the so-called today lordship salvation or discipleship salvation is such an accursed message. It is such a false message because what it is doing, instead of going along with Romans eleven six, and if by grace and is it no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace and so forth. What it is doing, it's saying this, no, you're saved by grace and works. And they're trying to put it together. And God says, they don't go together. You can't mix grace and works. You're either saved by grace or you're going to try to be saved by works and you can't be saved by your works. So that's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. So this is why this lordship salvation, and by the way, some, believe it or not, who preach and teach this lordship salvation message actually say that it is, they call it, it's working faith salvation. That's the term they use, working faith. Those two things, that's an oxymoron, working faith, okay? Faith, you can't, faith is not working. 
Okay, now you can, as a believer, you can exercise your faith, but working faith, no, no, no. Faith is simply believing. When you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, God gives you eternal life. Romans chapter 11, verse seven, it says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, the believers, and the rest were blinded. Why did Israel not obtain salvation? It's because they sought it by works. And it's the same today. No one will be saved if they're seeking it by works. Hold your place here and look with me over to chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And I know we've covered this ground, but it it fits perfectly with what we find here in Romans 11. Romans 9 verse 30, it says this, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of, you notice, of what? Faith. That's why they attained to righteousness, because they sought it by faith, not by works. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, have not obtained the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, Jesus Christ. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And so we see you don't get God's righteousness if you try to get it by works. It's only through faith. That goes along just a few verses down from Romans 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 3, which we've already seen. For they, Jewish people, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth, okay? So it's only through faith in Christ that you can be saved. Faith in Jesus Christ is what brings salvation, nothing else. And when you believe in Christ as your Savior, you are one of the elect. A Jew who believes is part of the remnant that Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 11, okay? They're still Jewish, but they've put their faith in Christ, but they're not only Jewish, they're now also part of the church made up of Jew and Gentile. Now, those who don't believe remain blinded, blinded. And we see that in Romans chapter 11. Let's continue in verse eight. It says, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear unto this day. Why? Because they've not sought salvation by faith, but through works. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. The prophet said this would happen and it did happen to the Jewish people. But why? Now listen, why did it happen to the Jewish people? Because God was trying to be mean to the Jews? No, absolutely not. If you look, you're in chapter 11, go down to verse 20 and it gives us the answer. Here you go. Well, look at the next three words. Because of unbelief, they were broken off that thou standest, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Why were the Jews broken off, so to speak? Now, this is a temporary thing. Why were the Jews broken off? Because of unbelief. 
Okay? They were seeking salvation by works, not by faith in Jesus Christ. They rejected Christ as their Messiah, which leads us to a fourth point. The acceptance of the gospel by Gentiles will be used to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Now, this is interesting. In this, we start seeing the plan of God, the plan of God. You see, when the Jewish people rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah, it wasn't like God said, oh no, now what do I do? My, you know, my, my vehicle to reach the world, which was the Jew, uh, they've decided they're going to put it in park and stop, turn off their engine. Now what do I do? I don't have a plan. No, God in eternity passed out a plan. It was called the church. But it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament God gave the Jewish people opportunity to cooperate with his plan, but they decided they didn't want to do that. Now, I'm I'm speaking generally, collectively, not the individual. Remember, grace always goes out to the individual. And so what did God do? He had this new thing. It was a mystery in the Old Testament, but God revealed it in the new, and it was called the church, made up of Jew and Gentile, and then God's work continues on through the church. Now, what will this do? Well, the Jews rejected Christ as Messiah. They were scattered all over the world. They came unto judgment. And all of a sudden, you start seeing all these Gentiles being saved. Gentiles being saved. These Gentiles talking about this wonderful relationship they have with the God of the Bible. And what is that doing? You may not hear much about it, but God says, and I believe it's happening because God says it is, God is provoking the Jewish people to jealousy. Fine, you reject me, I'll turn to somebody else. I'm going to work a new way. And so through that, Jews are seeing that, and that's provoking them to jealousy. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now it says, uh, they should fall. Okay, this refers to a permanent falling or falling away. The answer is, God forbid. The Jews are in unbelief today, but they will come back to the Lord in the future. This is the message of Romans 11. The Jews are going to come back to the Lord in the future. He is not through with them. Verse 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world... And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentile, how much more their fullness. In other words, through their falling away, God has opened it up to the Gentiles, and here's millions of Gentiles who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, who've trusted Christ as their Savior. And that's great, okay? God, God is getting more and more children through that. How much greater will that be, even that in the future, when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation, the Jews will, most Jews will accept him as their Messiah, and then they will go then into the kingdom age. So here's all these children of God, Jew and Gentile, coming in. This is the plan of God. Their fullness here, where it talks about in verse 12, their fullness, their fullness speaks of when the millennium comes, the kingdom age. The Lord is not through with the Jew, but through their unbelief, blessings have come to the Gentiles. And yet, blessings will come to the Jews again in the future. Now listen, but what comes first? Well, Israel must go through another 
very, very dark time of persecution and purging. Before they can enjoy the kingdom age with the Messiah, who happens to be the Lord Jesus Christ, before they can enjoy that, they are going to have to go through unprecedented persecution. It is called in the Bible, the tribulation period. It will prepare them to accept their Messiah. It will break their will as a people. And who is their Messiah? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now I mentioned at the beginning of the message, we are going to go back to Jeremiah 30 and I want you to go there with me now. Jeremiah chapter 30. We see the prophecy that they would come back and they would possess the land. And that is of course where they are at today. Jeremiah chapter 30 in verse 5. It says, for thus saith the Lord. Now this is right after it says in verse three, they shall possess it. And then in verse five, for thus saith the Lord, we have heard, look at this, a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. Now, when does this take place? This happens after they get back and possess the land. You would think that they coming back to the land would be a time of of incredible joy. And it was for a period of time, and it is to an extent, but that's not the end of it. We have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail or gonna have a baby and all faces are turned into paleness. This is going to be a time when they are going to be in agony as a people. They are going to be under intense persecution as a people. There is going to be a pseudo peace for three and a half years, and then disaster is going to come to the Jewish people. Verse seven, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob, he had his name changed to Israel. It is a time of Israel's trouble, but look at the promise, and he shall be saved out of it. There's that promise, God promising that the Jewish people, he was going to keep their seed alive. He was going to keep them going as a people. And yes, he is, but not without intense, severe, incomparable persecution, which is yet coming. If you want to know more about this period of time, I recommend that you read passages such as Matthew chapter 24, read passages such as Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 19, where dealing with this tribulation period of time. Now, now we've done a lot of studies on prophecy and so forth. And by the way, for those of you who have internet access, I recommend you, you either listen to or watch our series that we did on the book of Revelation, going verse by verse through the entire book. And uh, you'll find it fascinating. And you will see a lot in there about the nation of Israel, particularly in chapters four through chapter 19. But you notice this, there's a day of tremendous persecution coming for the Jews. Now, This time of Jacob's trouble, this tribulation period, when will this take place? That will take place after what we call the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is a time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to descend from heaven and he is going to call all believers out of the world to meet him in the air and we will go to be with him. 
Now that will take place before the seven-year tribulation period takes place. Anybody who has not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior will be left on the earth, and they're going to have to go through that seven-year period of time. And it will be the worst time, according to Jesus, he's God, he knows. It will be the worst time that the world has ever known or ever will be. It's coming. It's coming. So let me give you three applications today. The first one is this. Friend, if you personally, whether you're Jew or Gentile, if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. A lot of you have seen me use this illustration before, but this is what Christ has done for you, and he's all, all he's asking you to do is trust in him that he has done this for you. If this was to represent you and me and my wallet, all of our sin, we're all sinners according to the Bible, yet God loves us, the Bible says, he hates our sin. This is all mankind, Jew and Gentile. He loves us, he hates our sin. God says we have sinned against him though, and that sin, he's a holy God, and that sin has to be paid for. There's a penalty that goes with that. We've broken his laws and commandments. We've blasphemed him. We've insulted him. We've sinned against him. And God says that's got to be taken care of. And he says, if we pay for our sins, we're going to spend forever separated from him in hell. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'll go to heaven by doing good works. Jewish people, even today, your Orthodox Jews believe in doing good things be faithful to their religion, and that will take care of things. It will not. Death is the only payment for sin. The wages of sin is death, according to Scripture. See, heaven's a perfect place, and good people don't go to heaven. Only those with the righteousness of God go to heaven. You have to be as righteous as God. That means sinless, because heaven's a perfect place. No sin there. So how are you going to get there as a sinner? Well, we can't. That's why your good works can't save you. But because God loved us so much, hated our sin, he sent a savior, a Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, this hand representing him. And when Jesus went to the cross, all the sin that we've done or ever will do wrong, he took it upon himself and he made the complete payment for it so we don't have to. All of it's been paid for. He died and rose from the grave three days later. And he says in his word that if we will put our faith, our trust in him as our savior, he will give us as a gift everlasting life. It's a gift because we're saved by grace. We can't merit it. It's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, I want to encourage you right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ as savior. Secondly, we need to pray for the nation of Israel that they would be saved. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is what the Bible says. Now we know we want there to be peace there, but real lasting peace is not going to come until the Prince of Peace, the Messiah comes, which is Jesus. But he's not coming back to earth to set up his kingdom until after that seven year period of time. The church will have already left before the tribulation begins. And the church will not be going through. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking about organized religion. I'm talking about all those who have trusted Jesus Christ alone as Savior. You make up the church. For those who have trusted Christ, we're going to be taken out before the seven-year period begins and we'll be in heaven during that period of time. And then the church will be coming back with Jesus at the end of the tribulation period. And that's when 
many Jewish people will look to Christ and trust in him as their Messiah. And then we will go into the kingdom age, the millennium, thousand year reign of Christ. But we need to pray for the nation of Israel. Pray that they may be saved. Pray that many Jews would put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Messiah today. And then third, let me say this. We need to, as believers, be faithful with the gospel and never, ever take for granted the privilege that we have of being children of God. What a privilege we have. And by the way, with what's going on in the world right now, what an opportunity we have to share the gospel, okay? Folks, we need to be not only opening, but looking for open doors. This is a time. People are thinking about spiritual things right now, okay? They don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus that's, that's going around. No one knows. And so we need to be faithful with the gospel. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.